This is now the part of the service where if you're handed one of those little nice pretty bulletins on your way in, you can just crack it open and you're going to have these fill-in-the-blank notes. Now normally, if this is your first time with us, normally the blank gets filled with a word. Okay? There should be some pretty significant blanks there because we're actually going to fill it in with some phrases or some thoughts or some, some concepts. And we're in our second week of a series that we just simply call Chooser. And we're going through the Bible and looking at some people who made some significant choices, some significant decisions because guess what? When it all comes down, when the dust settles, you and I are choosers. We're making decisions and we have the power of choice. And as choosers, God wants us to choose life. He wants us to win in life. He is on our side in this. He's not throwing out a bunch of trick questions for us. He's not trying to slip us up. He's not seeing if, 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 we can, if he can trick us. He wants us to win. In fact, let's look at Deuteronomy 30:19, and this is a verse that, that I honestly believe is the hinge pin for our mortal existence. While we are breathing oxygen, if we don't understand this scripture, we're going to get all sorts of stuff messed up. If we don't embrace the responsibility and the consequences that are outlined in this scripture, man, we're going to just, life's going to happen to us instead of us going out and embracing the life that God has to offer. Deuteronomy 30:19 says this. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. All of creation, all of creation, all of the heavens and all of the earth all stand as a witness against this. We, anywhere we look, everywhere we think about any of those different things, it, they, it, they bring us back to this point. That I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Obviously, your decisions have those that you have authority over. You have the responsibility to care for. But they're also watching your decisions. They are modeling those things. And we have to be aware of that because they're coming behind us. And we're teaching them how to choose or or not choose or let life happen. My wife over and over tells me, Brandon, why did you have to pass that down? We got some pictures from my sister of whenever I was in junior high and was doing some goofy stuff. And, and it looked like Weston. It looked like my middle boy. And like, that's the same expressions. That's the same. Every, she's like, why did you do this to him? I, I didn't mean to. This is all I had to give. And... Uh, Thank God! Thank goodness that God deals with goofy, and so we're, we're we're grateful for that. But in that, we have to be choosers. And honestly, there's a lot of times we just we get overloaded with choice, and there are times we just we just don't want to choose. How many of us when we go today, as soon as you begin to hit that hallway and leave, then if you don't if you weren't already proactive and had something in the oven or the crock pot or something like that. You're going to go, where are we going to eat? And you're going to be hit with this choice. This choice. And it's not because there's not options. There's options, plenty of options. San Angelo's like eat out capital. That's, that's our hobby. That's what we do. What do you, people move here. Well, what do you all do for fun? We eat. That is what we do in San Angelo for fun. 
We consume food. And you'd think we'd be good at making this decision. But we get in the car and we decide it's time to eat. So we get in the car to go eat. And like, where do you want to eat? And it's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. That is a lie. That is a lie. It is a lie. You do care. They say, well, what about roses? No, not roses. I had roses yesterday. Well, what about pizza? Oh, I had pizza two days ago. I really don't want pizza. Well, what sounds good to you? I'm really easy. Oh, I'm really, I'm fine with it. <laughs> My first two tries, clink, clink, in the dirt. And we get frustrated. That is good preaching. Thank you. And we get bombarded with choice. I'm moving on. She's hurrying me up here. The, uh, we get bombarded with choice and we just lock down. And honestly, how many decisions in our lives do we do that with? We can laugh about the food one because when it all comes down, we're not going to choose to not eat. I've never once said, oh, forget it. Turn the car around and go park it. That's never happened. We have, maybe some of y'all have. Say, so if you don't figure out by the time I hit the end of the block, we're putting this sucker in reverse. Maybe it's a good model. Yeah, no, I got to sleep with that lady and hopefully wake up. So, but we don't do that. We don't, we don't typically, we don't do that. We eventually make some sort of decision. Something gets unfolded. Something happens. And what we need to be aware is that in all of life, we are choosers. And more than likely with the choices that lay before you, you're not going to put it in part. Something is going to happen, and when you hit that place, more than likely it's going to be the easiest decision that gets done. None of us are passionate about eating at Subway, but we ate at Subway last night because we just defaulted to there. It just went there. And so we don't want that with our full choices in life. So how do we choose? How do we do this? There's, there's competing information. There's, there's all of these different things, and God wants us to choose life. So how on earth do we do that? How do we embrace that? And we need to understand this, that choosing life means choosing God's truth when we, are con- when we confront the issues of life, that we have to have a predisposition to choose God's truth, that we want to find out what He has to say on the issue and begin to choose that. And today we're going to look at the life of Peter because Peter was confronted with the words of Jesus and confronted with, with truth over and over again. And he makes some good decisions and he makes some rough decisions on, where, on how he handles that. Because guess what? We've been handed the word of God and God has direction, precepts for our lives to live by. Sometimes they are very specific and sometimes they, they guide us and point to us towards life. But God has opinions on everything. Not just opinions, has truth on everything that pertains to our lives and we need to understand that see john 10 10 is part of why jesus came the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy and i've come that they may have life and have it to the full that's why jesus came to help delineate where the life is they're just kind of stuck and go we want to choose life but where on earth is the life and I have found that over and over again in dealing with people and, and, and in my pastoral role, there are a, a, a handful of things that really trip us up from really embracing God's truth. 
we want to do it, but then we hit these, we hit these places, we're like, ah, and it begins to grind against us. And so Peter did the same thing, and we're going to look at these things. And the first one is we've got to choose God's truth with the I've done this a million times issues of life. Most of us are here. We're here at church. We're, we're plowing along. We're, you, you've not spent your entire adulthood in this church. We're only four years old, so it's not like, okay, well, I already understand all of this. We come in here, we've got prior experiences, we've got prior teaching, we've got prior ignorance, we've got all of this stuff here. We're like, well, we need to decide, we need to begin to choose what God wants us to choose. But we, we've been choosing for years and years, some of us decades and decades. And we kind of get in this place that, okay, well, I, I need some help on these certain decisions, but man, there's... There's a lot of these decisions. I've made this. All, I've made this decision a lot of times. I, I, I've pretty much. I've pretty much got this one. I understand God may have a little bit different view of the way I should do it, but you know, I, I've pretty much got it. And and so many times, this is, becomes the hardest one for us to deal with. It's where we feel like we're the expert here, at least in our own lives, where we feel like we've got this. And we see here in Luke 5 that Peter ran into this. See, he, Jesus, got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Remember, his name is also Peter. And asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And here comes the thing. Here comes the word. Jesus tells him to do something. He's a fisherman. Catching fish sounds like a good idea for a fisherman. But, ah, we hit a little roadblock here. Master, we've worked hard all night. Master, we've, we've been doing this fishing thing all night. And we've caught, <clears throat> we've caught, haven't caught anything. Zippo. Nada. No results. Now, more than likely, that's not because that they've never had results. They just didn't have results then. And typically, that's what keeps us in a trap of leaning on our own understanding. Because every once in a while, we'll get a win. That's why Vegas makes all the money. Because if you win and you put your money in the little thing with the arm and it took it, Every time, we would quit. I've never seen anybody over there at these vending machines sticking in a dollar hoping for a bucket of quarters. It's because those machines don't do that. But in Vegas, every once in a while, boop, okay, well, I've got this formula figured out. I do this. And, but on the long run, it's a destructive. It's going to take your money, that's what it's designed to do. And we get into these places where every once in a while we get a little success, and then we hit this, we hit this place, this, this slump, we, things aren't really going our way, and like we see the Word of God and it tells us to take another direction. It's like, God, I, I kind of got this. I know my life isn't really reflecting the results that it should, but it'll eventually turn around. I don't really need to do what you have to say. And thank goodness, Peter didn't do it. He threw all the information out there. Master, we've done it all night, but haven't caught anything. And this is what we need to embrace right here. He said, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. 
simply because you said. That is what begins to shift our hearts. When we look at the different things, we begin to study the Word of God, and we begin to see something that challenges our normal, everyday pattern where maybe we didn't even ask God what to do about this issue. Peter didn't go to him and say, you know what? We fished all night and we didn't catch anything. Um, You got some thoughts on that, Jesus? He didn't ask. He didn't ask for some instruction. He was going to go out the next day and try again and hope that things worked out different. As you're studying your Bible, which I hope you do, as you read along, we read through the Bible every year together. And I hope you at least participate on that some level. And as you're reading along, the Scriptures will begin to talk to you about things that maybe aren't on the front burner of your mind. Well, God, I've really got things out of control here. Yeah, I need to adjust according to that, but eh, things will turn around. I leave my life alone, things will turn around. No, we've got to do it. If we're going to see full life, we have to embrace what God has to offer. We've got uh, my buddy Rocky up there is a carpenter and builds houses and uh, has done it for a lot, a lot of years, probably 20 years of run or plus experience with a, with a skill saw. And um, the, uh, the dangerous people with a skill saw are maybe the first person, the person that has no experience with a skill saw and the person that has 20 years of experience with a skill saw. Because at some point you hit this place like I, I've done this a million times. And he's made way more cuts than he than I ever have. But my fingers have never been almost lost because of it. He almost chopped the end of his finger off last year. It was horrible. I was going to show you a picture, but thank goodness couldn't find it. You ought to be able to see all the gore and stuff. You're welcome, dear. And um, But we can get overconfident. I've done this many times when we let our guard down and, and don't pursue truth in that. And then we get bit. Over and over and over again. See, Jesus in this occasion tells Peter what to do in Peter's boat. And we, all have, we can all have struggles. But there's another place where we can hit this, hit this as well. And this is where we'll tend to begin to maybe cry out to God and look. But then there comes that place of actually taking the step. See, God's, true, God's truth, we've got to choose God's truth. With the, I've never done this before, issues of life. Guess what? I don't care who you are, how old you are. God has still this incredible adventure ahead for your life. I told our newcomers class just uh, this last Sunday about a lady that went onto the mission field and sowed her life onto the mission field. And she didn't leave and do her first trip until she was in her late 60s. God's got great things for all of us. There are things that, that all of us have never done before that God is going to begin to lead you in. And so many times that's the stuff where we can just uh, get freaked out and not know what to do. And we need, in those situations, we need to, to cling to God and be willing to go ahead and do it. See, that first time Jesus tells Peter what to do inside of his boat. You got a boat. You got a place you live. You need to let God tell you what to do in your boat. But guess what? One day the thing came when Peter was asked to get out of his boat. Let's look at Matthew 14, 28. Jesus is walking on the water. This is such a cool story to me. Okay? Who knows how many times Jesus walked on the water? Because Jesus was not walking on the water, when you look at this this full story, to like get to them. He's walking on the water. He's like out for a stroll. Maybe he's talking to dad. 
just got lost in the conversation, stepped off of the shore and onto the water. Who knows? He's out there walking. And the, the guys, his disciples, see Jesus out on there, and they freak out. And, of course, in all their the, being disciples and Christ followers, they have the exact right first response. <gasps> it's a ghost! Wasn't a ghost. They're like, it's, it's, it's the master. It's Jesus. And Peter's like, okay, we're going to find out if this is really God or not. He does that stuff. Puff his chest out and be bold. says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And then Jesus did it. Throws one word out at Peter. Come. Asked him to come. And now Peter is stuck. He's there with his buddies in the boat. He's been the, the, the loud mouth. It's like, well, if it's you, Master, tell me to come. And so Peter takes him at his word. Peter is a man of the sea. They didn't take some guy from Iowa or Kansas or someplace that like has no water, San Angelo. We're going to have water, bless God. I don't, I don't say that. And, and, and stick with this guy lived on the water. He knew that people go down. He knows that. But honestly, how many times has this guy wished he could walk on the water? He left a piece of rope or something. They already pushed off. And he's like, oh, why can't I just go get it? Come back and get in the boat. Instead, we got to oh, go over there and get the stuff I forgot. How many times did he wished he could do that? And now here's Jesus doing it. I think that the reason he's the one that piped up is because he daydreamed about it. I think there was something already a little bit alive on the inside of him. And I want you to pay attention to those things. Those things that are on the inside of you that you feel like God is stirring around, I want you to pay attention to those things. When nobody's ever done that before, I don't care if nobody's ever done it before. Begin to think about the things God's, the dreams and the things that God is stirring you. Because one day, I believe it, he's going to tell you, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. And let's leave the story alone at verse 29. He's a hero. He gets out of the boat and he walks to the water and he goes to Jesus. He does it. He does it. But then in the middle of his miracle, we got to remember we got to do something that Peter kind of forgot. But then when he saw the wind and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, hey, big mouth, you're the one that did this. You're a sailor. I know you can swim. Swim to the boat, buddy. He doesn't do that. Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand and he caught him. And he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then they climbed back into the boat and the wind died down. I love this story because this gives us permission to step out in those things and permission to maybe not do it right the first time. He gives us, it's okay. Jesus is going to help us. Well, what if I jump out there in faith and I just look like a moron and I think, God will save you. He's, he's pulled me out of my stupidity multiple times. We're all grateful for that. I'm telling you, it changes everything. That Jesus had asked him to leave his boat, asked him to do something he had never done before. Folks, this is part of walking with God. It's being willing 
to do these things we've never done before. Give him the things we've done a million times and let him direct us there, but also dare to go someplace we've never, ever gone before. We also are going to need to choose God's truth with a this doesn't make any sense, this use of life. You say, what, what about, what about the, that one? Didn't that one not make any sense? No, Jesus was on the water. That was his inspiration. Jesus was doing it. I, I, mean, I don't understand it, but, but Jesus has got it. So Jesus, you tell me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go because you said. You obviously have authority, so he ran with it. But man, there are a few things that just sometimes don't make any sense. And Peter hit one of those places where it just didn't make any sense. Here Jesus is doing some fairly in-depth teaching, okay? And he has his disciples. And Jesus stayed true with some tough teaching, and some disciples left, and Jesus didn't chase them. He kept the truth the truth. John six fifty one. He's saying this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And he's talking in these allegorical ways about that that he is about to give himself, that that his life, giving that up, is what we're going to have to take in and that be our sustenance. That's our life. That's the Lord's Supper that, that we do first of every month here. That we are celebrating this. And he's talking about this in advance. But then the Jews, they're missing it. Because that's all they wanted to do. They didn't want truth. They didn't want to be taught. They just wanted to tear Jesus down. So they're, it's just blowing over their heads. Their hearts aren't open. It says, and then Jesus began to argue, the Jews, sorry, began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? He wants us to be cannibals. This is nasty. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. It's like, you want to go there? You want to go to this cannibal deal? Let's go. I'll talk to you that way. Whoever, <clears throat> then you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And, of course, we understand on this side of the cross, we understand this. And he's honestly, I think he's having some fun with these haters. <laughs> and he's... He's enjoying this, I think. But then some of his disciples here, these ones that are kind of on the fence, are the, are the Pharisees right? Is Jesus right? Are the Pharisees right? Is Jesus right? And then some of them here, a few verses later in verse 60, says, On hearing this, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And they find out that they kind of bolt. They leave. This doesn't make any sense. Because it didn't make any sense on that side of the cross. It, was, it didn't make sense to the other side of the cross. It didn't make any sense to the, 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 what, God, what Jesus was going to do had been done. And then we see in John six sixty six through 68. It says, From this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord... To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He held on to that. Sometimes, folks, there are some things that just don't make any sense. Sometimes there, there, there just are some things that don't make any sense. As pastor, I wish I could explain absolutely everything. 
there are some points of pain and some suffering that just don't make any sense. There are some places of, of, of loss. There are some, some different things that just don't make any sense. And we won't fully understand everything until the other side of heaven, until the other side of those things, of our personal resurrection. This didn't make any sense until after Jesus' res- resurrection. There's not, some of this won't make any sense until ours. But we have to embrace this at this moment. That where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. He has the words of eternal. We have to be in a place where we begin to embrace that and understand that. There are some things that, that <clears throat> don't make any sense. I had the privilege of, of we want to be a, a come-as-you-are type of church and, and had a, a family that had even gone a part of our newcomers class and, and had been a part of the church for months and months and months, maybe even upwards of a year. And I um, was asking them to share about their, you know, coming to Christ experience. And, and uh, one person said, well, I'm still, I'm, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still examining this. And I'm like, cool, that's awesome that you felt comfortable enough and not, not browbeat into a decision that you're loved and accepted and, and you're still deciding on Jesus. I, I love that. If that's you this morning, if you are still on the fence about Jesus, you're in the right place. It is okay for you to be there and to come and to learn and allow because we're convinced you open your heart and, and the Holy Spirit will do the convincing. We don't have to do it. And he wanted to interview me and take me to lunch and had a list, a little book, had a list of just pages and pages of questions. And we had the lunch set up and had the lunch set up to, to do this. And before we were able to get to that lunch, one Sunday morning I see his hand go up in church and he makes a decision for Christ opportunity we have in just a little bit so we have that lunch and he's going through and there's some things that didn't make any sense he's got questions and it was amazing he hadn't revisited them since his since he embraced christ and he's going through and he's like okay all right yeah that one that doesn't matter i don't even know why that had that question yeah yeah okay here's one how do i hear god well, that's every believer wants to know that. That's a following Christ question. There were so many other things that, that on this side of embracing the life that all of a sudden the things began to make better sense. The things that were questions weren't questions anymore. But he had to, he came with that place of embracing that he was the source of eternal life. And then the last place is we close this down. That we've got to choose God's truth with the ouch that hurts issues of life. God's truth brings correction. If we're really going to choose life, when we're in a place of choosing death, and we are choosing death and choosing death, the Word of God comes in and begins to tell us that we need to make a different decision. And sometimes that's just no fun to hear. Nobody wants to hear, you're being foolish. I don't ever want to hear that, ever. But sometimes that's the truth. And the Word of God points that out. And Peter, he is so awesome. I want us to look at this and think about this. Let's look at Galatians 2, 11 and 16. Okay? This is Paul writing. Paul writes the letter to the Galatians. Okay? And Paul was the apostle uh, to the Gentiles. To, to me, I'm not, a, I'm not a Jew. And if you're not a Jew, he was the apostle to you too. He writes a bunch of the bulk of the New Testament. So here's his writing. It says, when Peter came to Antioch, 
I opposed him to his face. He's writing this in a letter to an entire church. Galatia actually is a region. This is a letter that was to be circulated and, and read over an area in Galatia. And there's passes around in all the churches. He's reading it to, to say to the churches in West Texas. And he's writing this. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when he arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Those who were Jews who said that, that Jesus was just for the Jewish people. He was only their Messiah. There was still tension at this point. And then the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that their hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy even barnabas was led astray and that was paul's best friend traveling buddy and even he gets sucked up into it here peter gets called the name all christians hate to be called hypocrite what the what the whole world wants to say everybody that gets under the banner of christian you're all a bunch of hypocrites apparently sometimes we are Sometimes we are. When we don't live out the, the life that we're supposed to, what we claim, then sometimes we are. And this gets laid out and gets talked about by Paul, talking about Peter. And look, and this is, I so love God's word, that God sealed this up for us. Because we get to see how Peter responds. In Second Peter 3, verses 15 and 16, it says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. God, he wants you. He, is, he wants you to choose him. He is patient with you. Just as our dear brother Paul, not just as that other minister Paul, dear brother Paul, also wrote with the wisdom God gave him. Oh my goodness, he's letting, saying that God lets this guy write with wisdom. And he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures. Peter equates, Galatians was one of these letters, equates this thing of him being, a, being written down forever as a hypocrite equates it with Scripture. Peter, was he embraced the rebuke. He embraced the correction. That's a hard thing. It's one thing if they'd have gone, hey, buddy, hey, Peter, hey, bud, you need to quit this. That would have been tough. But then he writes about it. Sticks it on Facebook. <laughs> Blogs about it. And Peter goes on and comments, wow, this Facebook post is scripture. Love it. My God, how amazing is that? If we're going to choose life, we have to be willing to choose even when it comes against our us and really brings correction. I'm telling you, we here have the, 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 the standard. Like, let's just, I don't care how fast you move with God, just move forward. But there is nothing that will make you more stuck than not being willing to receive correction. There is nothing that makes you more stuck than that. You have to allow that. You have to allow that. See, God desires to take each of us forward with him. 
And this forward growth, it happens choice by choice. And let's choose to follow him and choose life. Let's do that together. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. Choosing life is an understanding that God has given us truth. And it matters and it pertains to life. And sometimes we're going to feel like the expert and want to push it aside. And sometimes we're going to freak out because we've never done it before and push it aside. And sometimes it's not going to make any sense and we're going to want to push it aside. And sometimes it just flat hurts and we're going to want to push it aside. But if we're going to choose life, we've got to be willing to say the truth is the truth. And God let it win in my life. You love me and you are only good for me. And when we understand that, that changes everything. This morning, we want to create a moment where the first truth, the most important truth that has to be embraced in beginning this relationship with God is understanding that God loves us so much that He sent His Son to deal with our issue of sin. That it had to be handled. Death had to be done. The wages of sin is death. And that Jesus came and did a death that He didn't know. So he leaves an open account for us to say, you know what? My sin was paid for in that act. My sin's got to be dealt with and Jesus did it. And I choose that. And now I embrace the life that he gives. If that's you and you want to embrace that now, I'd appreciate it if everybody kind of bow their heads. And you want to choose that. I want you to just raise your hand and we want to pray with you. It happened right now. Awesome. Yes. Yes, awesome. Yes. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Family, let's just lift our voices and let's pray with uh, pray with this uh, with those that have raised their hand. We're stepping over from death to life. Just make these words your own. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. That he did death for me. I thank you that it counts forever. He deals with all my sin. And it's made me your child. I thank you for the new life that I have. And that your Holy Spirit is going to change me from the inside out. Thank you again, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes.